Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Wow. Well, we've been looking forward to today for a minute and uh, Old School Sunday is finally here. And I want to say that I am so glad uh, to see all of you. Also, we do this all the time, but we want to welcome our other campuses who are linking up with us uh, at this time, our Red Bug Lake and our Michigan Street campuses here at Curry Ford. We usually all put our hands together and just kind of celebrate that we are kind of all one big family joining together today. And uh, it is a special Sunday. I'm going to be preaching in just a moment, but we want to do one more big giveaway, really the grand, the grand giveaway for the day. I'm going to ask my wife to come up and join me. So, Jamie, come on. And... Um, there's a reason why that we are in these particular outfits today is because it's old school Sunday and uh, we wanted to bring it back and this was an actual picture that was uh, taken of us back in the day. <laughs> now here's what's crazy. You can't really tell which one's the live, like if we're real still, you can't even tell which one's which. No? All right, I can dream, all right. So uh, anyway, we're going to do a drawing for uh, an iPad right now. And so here's the thing. We have linked up to both campuses uh, as well. And so our guest, our first time guest cards from all campuses now are in here. So you're eligible no matter which campus you're at. If you're a first time guest, I'm shaking it up. And then uh, Jamie's going to pull one of these out. And this is our winner of the iPad giveaway today. Our, our winner is Bianca Wilson. Oh, Aunt Bianca. Are you in this service? Wow, right there. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, congratulations on that. And uh, I'm going to share a few minutes from the Word of God. You know the Word of God is the truth. I thought Faith Assembly would do a little better than that. I said the Word of God is the truth. Yeah, it's not our truth because we're Christians. It's the truth. It's God's uh, message to us. It gives us the road path to have relationship and reconciliation with our Creator. And so I'm going to share uh, some thoughts from His Word. And um, and it's important uh, what God has to say to us today. I'm going to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, and then we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 13, and if you don't have a, a copy of God's Word, they'll, they'll, they'll be on the screen behind me. Also in our faith app, there's notes for this uh, entire message that are on there with places where you can add your own notes if you want to. That's on our church app, so you can do that as well. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, I want to read this verse, and then we will pray. This is what it says, and this is Paul writing to a church in Corinth, and he says, examine yourselves. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. And then I like this phrase right here. He says, test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. He says, test yourself. See if Jesus is around. And if he's not, you have failed 
the test. I'm gonna speak today on the topic, the final exam. The final exam. And would you pray with me that God would just speak to us? And here's what's gonna happen. What we're gonna pray is that, not that I'm, I would be here to talk about God, uh, nothing wrong with talking about God, but we're gonna pray that I would be here to talk for God. And I believe that's what's gonna happen. You're gonna sense that today. And so would you pray with me that that would be the case and that we would hear from heaven. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for, uh, it, it's more than enough, it's relevant. It's alive, it's active, and we thank you, God, as we apply it to our lives today. I pray that you would help us to uh, just know exactly what your will is. Help us to be able to pass every test, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, speaking of tests, and we're, again, the title of this message is the final exam, but speaking of tests, I, I wanted to show a couple funny test answers that I found uh, on my, uh, online, I was just looking around at some funny test answers that kids put onto tests, and maybe some of these were, some of you that are in this room, I don't know, but the first one is this, it says, which is the best estimate for the length of a football? And this one kid put one football, like, I can tell you exactly how long, see, that's, that's, some, that's some next level thinking right there. I don't know what kind of grade he got, but look at the next one, what's the next one here? It says, what ended in 1896? Now, I know there are some teachers in the room. I'm just saying, you can't grade that wrong, all right? You may have been looking for some sort of historical event as the answer. You can't grade that wrong, all right? Uh, to change centimeters to meters, you, you take out, you take out centi. Everybody knows that. Yeah, of course. Next one, I like this. Describe how the transformer works. I think... I think this was a boy, and I think this little boy said, I'll not only describe it, I will illustrate it. <laughs> he turned that class into an art class. I like that. The next one, uh, name these 2D shapes. All right. I named this one Charlie, this one Sophia, this one Harriet. I'm just saying. I don't know if they passed the test, but here's, I like this one. It's not, it's just what the teacher wrote, Jackie. You can't just white out the question that you don't want to answer. <laughs> Y'all didn't think of that when you were in school, bringing some white out and just going, I don't like that question. Just, it's gone. I can't get it wrong if it's not on the paper. Uh, I think this might be the last one. This deserves a scholarship, right? Write 80 to 100 words. Took it very literal. I will write that. Amen. Was that the last one? Yes, it was. So as we look at uh, kind of the final exam in our life, I want us to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is a few chapters earlier than the verse that we read a moment ago where Paul said, test yourself. Uh, don't fail the test. Now this is the same letter to the same church in Corinth. This is just a few chapters prior to that that Paul uh, words it this way. He says, so we are always confident even though we know that as long as we live in, this, in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing, not by seeing. Other versions say the phrase maybe some of you have heard and would be familiar with, we walk by faith and not by sight. That's what he's saying there. We live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be um, away from these earthly bodies than we will be at home with the Lord. Now verse 9 is kind of a, our pivotal anchor verse here. It says, so whether we are here in this body or whether we are away from this body, 
which he said is to be with the Lord, we make it our goal to please him. Whether I'm here in this body or whether I'm away from this body, whether I'm in temporal time like now or eternity, the goal stays the same. The, the test is still the same, to please the Lord. That's our goal. Verse 10, for we must all stand before, the, uh, we stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive what we deserve for the good or evil we have done in the earthly body. Now as we take Paul's advice to test ourselves and to see how we're doing at pleasing the Lord, there are two environments that Paul mentions. There are two kind of realms that Paul talks about. He says we're trying to please God, we're trying to pass the test, we're trying to do it in the realm of of in these physical bodies, in this physical realm. We're trying to do it here in this temporal realm, but he says we're also trying to do it in an eternal realm, in a spiritual realm as well. He gives those two. So I just want us to look at those two realms and what the test will look like in each of those realms. Are you with me? So like, first is the, the temporal realm. It's the in this body. That's how Paul worded it, while I'm here in the body. So that's the first realm that we would be looking at is this realm that's in the body and uh, that's the realm he talks about in verse 6 and 7 we're confident even though we're uh, as long as we live in these bodies we're not at home with the Lord we're here we're, we're, we're living by faith not by sight now most of the tests that we face here uh, in this body in the temporal realm most of the tests come in two forms most of the tests come in the form of a trial or they come in the form of a temptation when we're here going through various tests, and we're tested all the time. We should test ourselves as well, but we're tested all the time, and those usually come in the form of a trial or in the form of a, of a temptation. And so James kind of talked about both of those. Uh, when he, he talks about having stood the test, this is what he says in James chapter one, verse 12 through 15. He said, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. There's that one of those tests we talked about. Under trial, having stood the test, that a person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised for those who love him. Verse 13, now temptation. He says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire uh, and enticed. In verse 15, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, Sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. And so this is all coming out of trials and temptations. And so the first thing he talked about was, was trials there. So let's talk about some of the trials that we face um, here on earth. And, and the thing about trials, and I would want everybody to really have a good understanding of this, the thing about trials is we all face trials. The thing about trials is we all face trials because we're alive because we just are doing life in a fallen world. And so with that is going to come trials. It's just not a perfect scenario. It's just not a perfect environment. You just don't get very many perfect days, even the days that you may say this was a perfect day. It wasn't. It probably had some little mini trials in it. You're just so used to them, you didn't even feel it that day. But we face them all the time. Think about just all the different suffering that happens, all the different trials. Sometimes we're suffering loss. We're suffering grief over that loss. We're suffer, we suffer sickness. 
Maybe somebody here is suffering right now in, in sickness. Maybe somebody's watching on a screen somewhere and you're in pain and you're, you're suffering sickness and pain and that's why you couldn't even be uh, in one of the campuses today. And so you're, you're suffering and it's a trial that you're going through. We suffer pain, we suffer lack. Sometimes we look around and we go, I don't have what everyone else has. We, we suffer mistreatment, why, why? It's because we live in a fallen world and people are imperfect. Uh, we suffer setbacks, we suffer closed, closed doors, the trials come in forms of, of storms and disappointments and, and all of this. And all of these trials, what they do is they test us. These, these trials are just constantly testing us. Now, some of the trials that we face, I love this, some of them are generic and uh, some of them are more generated, right? With the trials that we face, sometimes they're generic, sometimes they're generated. Here's what I mean. Um, Sometimes trials happen just because we're life. We're just doing it and it's just gonna happen because, again, we live in an imperfect world. But some of them are generated, in other words, the trial is worse because of the decisions I have made. Anybody know that to be true? You can look back on some, some trials in your life. Yeah, and so uh, we have here a, uh, we're speaking of old school. Um, anybody remember this? The old overhead projector. So right now we're talking about trials. I-A-L-S. And some trials are generated and, and some trials are more generic. I remember my freshman year in college, we got to the end of the semester, and um, my professor uh, said to the class, he said, hey, by the way, uh, next fr this coming Friday, everybody will turn in your notes for the whole semester. The notes that you've been taking during my lectures, you'll turn those in on Friday. Now, none of us in the class knew that was coming. So that was a little bit of a pop quiz. That was a, like a test you did not expect. And so, uh, so everybody in the class was kind of going through that generic trial together. However, for me, um, oh, my bad. <laughs> Thank you. So for me, it was a trial that was, a, it was more than just a generic trial. It became a generated trial. Because all during that semester, I had done something in college. I did it a lot in college. Is uh, I would just doodle all the time. Like I would just... I would just draw like little caricatures of people like this. And uh, I mean, I just did it all the time. And so when it came time to turn in my notebook, I was like, man, I am in trouble because I got all kinds of those all over my, um, my notes. Here's the problem is that some of them were actually of my teacher, <laughs> my professor. I had, I mean, I was, it was, I had made some that looked just like him. And so I'm literally torn at this point with this generated trial I'm going through. It's worse than everybody else's because of my actions. I'm, I'm sitting there tempted, like I'm just gonna throw the notebook away, throw the notes away, I'll just take a zero. But my grade could not handle that zero on that test. And so I just prayed over it. I said, Lord, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And uh, I turned it in. And I, man, I was so scared. I thought he was gonna be mad at me. I didn't know what was gonna happen. I thought I'd get a, a failure. I get it back and the first thing on the page it says I, I got a, like a B on the, on the notes. I was like, I can handle a B. And then a couple pages in, he sees a couple of my drawings and he puts a little note and he writes in his handwriting, he said, I'm a doodler too. <laughs> I said, oh God, you're good. <laughs> I keep turning to some of the ones of him. I'm like, maybe he won't notice that it was pictures of him. There's one of him, that, one of those pages and he puts a little note next to that and he goes, hey, that's a pretty good likeness. <laughs> 
And I'm so glad that I passed that trial. But that's how it is. Sometimes we face things that are just generic that everybody goes through. And yet sometimes we face trials that are very generated because of what we do. The, the idea is not to prevent trials because you can't. The idea is to pass the trials. Like that's what we're trying to do. Not, we, we're not trying to prevent them. We're trying to pass those tests that come as trials. So when you go through something, here's the thing, don't quit. Don't quit on God, don't quit on life when you go through something. Don't quit on somebody else just because they made a mistake. That's not the way to respond to a trial even if somebody mistreats you. They're fallen, they're imperfect just like you are. Don't quit, Another, don't get mad at God during a trial. A trial is not, it's not gonna be God's fault, okay? Uh, and so don't get mad at God. A trial, it's a, trial, a, a trial that we go through is because of a, a fallen world that we live in. Don't turn to wrong solutions when you go through a trial. So pass those tests. Another way the test comes is not just through trials, but tests also come, I don't know if this is gonna erase or not. No, it's not, that's fine. Uh, trials also come through temptations. And... Uh, that's what James talks about. He says each one of us is tempted when we're dragged away and enticed by our evil that's going on inside of us. So James talks about where trial, where, where, test, um, where temptations come from. Now here's the thing. The Bible does mention tempters. There are tempters when you read the Bible. There, were, there are people that were tempting other people. Matter of fact, Satan is mentioned as a tempter in the Bible. But what James is trying to clarify is you can't blame anyone else for the temptation that's going on in your life because it's really coming from within. When we blame somebody else, what that does is we, it causes us to start to excuse our own failed temptations, our failed tests of temptation. We excuse it because we go, well, it was everybody else's fault. It was the devil. It was that person. It was that thing. And this is kind of how I would, I would describe it is if, if there was a Let's say I, I had a, a gas stove at my house and that gas was left on and the pilot light had gone out and now the house was filled with gas and I don't even know it and then somebody was in my house and they said, hey, I'm gonna light a candle. And so they just strike a match and they're getting ready to light a candle. Um, now, if the, if the house was filled with gas and they went to strike the match, how many know we would have an explosion? We'd have a lot of problems. We'd have a lot of issues. Now, the thing is, somebody could go, well, why in the world did that person light a match? It's not the match's fault that the explosion happened. It was that the house was filled with the explosive gas. Like that was, we can light matches. We, we don't expect that to be the problem. So when it comes to temptation, all that stuff that's out there, all that stuff that, that, we, that we face, that we're looking around, all those people that are tempters and the substance that tempts us and the images that would tempt us and the actions that somebody does, all of those things, you know what those are? Those are matches. And none of that stuff should cause an explosion in your life. The only time that stuff causes an explosion in your life is when there's a leak in here. When something's not right, when there are desires that are out of check in here, that's when I fail the test of temptations. It's our nature during, when we're facing temptation. It's our nature to blame God sometimes. You can't blame God for temptation. Because James said it. He said God is not tempted by evil and God cannot tempt and evil. God is holy. God is 100% perfectly holy. It's his chief attribute, and so he can't even get into the realm of temptation. If God sends anything in your life, it's not to draw cor cor corruption out of your life. If he sends anything in your life, it's to draw character out of your life. 
is to draw Christ's likeness out of your life. Yeah, that's what, that's what God would send to you. And so we can't blame God for, um, for temptation, even though it's, it's even kind of in our nature. Like the very first temptation that ever happened. Do y'all know when it was? It was in the garden. It was Adam and Eve. That was the very first temptation. And after they were tempted, they were tempted to partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they did. And then God comes back down and starts asking them and quizzing them, saying, hey, what's going on? What happened? And Adam just in perfect Adam form, he says, yes, God, I'm glad you asked. I'll tell you what happened. This woman that you sent me, <laughs> read it, Genesis 3, it's there. This woman that you sent me, she tempted me. So ultimately, God, this is your fault, so way to go. This is in our nature, kind of to blame God when we're tempted by sin, and we can't do that. It's coming from within. So what temptation does when it does come in that, uh, in, into our heart, into our life, what it does is temptation would take us really away from holiness to, to sin, because temptation is that desire to do something. Most of the time we talk about temptation, it's the desire to do something that's unwise or, 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 or evil or less than holy. Here's what holiness is. Holiness is forsaking that which is evil, clinging to that which is good. Two parts of holiness, forsaking evil, clinging to good. Temptation does the opposite. Temptation says forsake what's good and cling to holiness. Forsake what's good, that's why James said it drags us away and then, and then it entices us. That's what temptation does to us. And so all of these temptations and all of these trials, all of these failed tests that we could all talk about for a long, long time, that we've all failed in these different trials and temptations, what happens is they start to, after some point, they just start to weigh us down. All the, all the moments of failure all the devastated decisions, all the failed temptations, all the trials I went through and I didn't handle it right, it just starts to weigh you down and make life burdened and heavy. And actually next week, I'm gonna be preaching a message about that, about lightening the load off of your life. I just want you to watch this video real quick and then we'll finish the message. We're going to be talking about that next Sunday, just 
all of the heaviness and the burdens and how to kind of, how to live life lighter than, than being drowned by all of that. And that's what Paul's talking about. One of the areas of the test, remember one of the realms was while we're in this body. The, the test we face here. But then Paul also says, we make it our goal to please him, whether we're here in the body, in the temporal, in the natural, but we also make it our goal to please him when we're away from the body, which he said is to be with the Lord. So there is another realm in which we will have to pass the test of pleasing, being pleasing to God. This is, uh, away from the body is really, it's the final exam. It's the unavoidable moment in which that we stand before God and give an account for our life. That's what Paul's talking about in 2 Corinthians 5.10. We must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will receive whatever we deserve. Can't get away from that. For the good or the evil we have done in this earthly body, there will come for all of us this unescapable final exam, this moment where we pass or fail the biggest test of our life. It's this moment where we stand before God and we have to face the music. I don't know if you've ever heard that phrase before, face the music. But it's interesting where that, that um, phrase and what it's meaning, uh, it's, it's interesting where it came from. Uh, I mean, way, way back, many, many, many years ago, uh, there was an imperial orchestra, and uh, they would often tour, but they would also play before the king. And um, So there was this one wealthy, influential guy, and he really wanted to be a part of the imperial orchestra because he wanted to play before the king. And the only problem was he didn't play any instruments. And so he went to the conductor and he kind of uh, edged his way in. He's like, hey, look, look, I'm really important. I'm really wealthy. I can make this worth your while. He said, just let me be in the orchestra. So the conductor decides to let him do it. And so puts him on the second row, hands him a flute. And when the orchestra would get ready to play, this dude would bring up his flute. He'd pucker his mouth. He'd move around his fingers, but he would never play a note. And this went on for two years. For two years, he was in the Imperial Orchestra, playing before the king. He loved it. He made him feel so good, even though it was, he was a big pho, a phony, a big fake, but it, boy, it made him feel so important. He'd be in there. Here's the only problem is, after two years, that uh, orchestra conductor moved on, and a new conductor comes in to be over that orchestra. And that new conductor decides this. He says, here's what we're going to do. I want to personally audition every single person in the orchestra just to see their level and just make sure to see where we're at. It'll help me decide what music to choose. And so the auditions begin, and this guy is freaking out because he doesn't play a note. And so he decides, I'm going to act like I'm sick. So he tells everybody, hey, I'm sick. I can't come to the, to the audition. And so the uh, orchestra conductor sends him a doctor. said, well, go get checked out by this doctor. So he does, and the doctor goes, he's fine. He'll be at the audition. <laughs> so this guy shows up at the audition and he stands before the conductor. And at that moment, he's like, okay, play me something. And at that moment, of course, he couldn't play anything. And he was forced to face the music. It means that moment where you have to, no more hiding, to face the music. The Bible talks about these moments uh, quite a few times in scripture references the moment that we stand before Jesus. It, it talks about it in several different spots. Revelation 13 is one of the spots that talks about it. In Revelation 13, it says the sea will give up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged. Each one of them were judged according to what they had done. Then death 
and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now understand this, God doesn't send anyone to hell. What is sending them to hell? It's all the failed tests. It's all the failed temptations. It's all the failed, failed trials. Romans 14 talks about the final exam. It's unavoidable for all of us. Romans 14 says it this way. Remember, we will all, all, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scripture says, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me, every tongue will declare allegiance to God, and each one of us will give a personal account to God. What we've done, how we did with all the tests. And, and then, of course, another one that's, that's, is the one we've been studying, which is 2 Corinthians 5. We read it a moment ago, let me read it one more time. For we must all stand, other versions say, we must all appear before Christ to be judged. Everything we've done while, while in the body, good or bad, we're gonna be judged. We stand, we appear. Now the Greek word that, that comes in there that gets translated to stand before God or to appear before Christ, that Greek word actually cares, carries with it the meaning to be revealed. It carries with it this meaning of to be laid bare. It carries with it this meaning of facing the music. That when we stand before God, there'll be no more pretending, no more hiding, no more comparing. It's you and Christ, and you're given account for the failed tests, trials, and, tr and temptations in your life. So if, if we think about that moment, here's, here's what's really frightening is this. How can, how can any one of us be prepared for that final exam? Because we've all failed. We've all sinned. Listen, it's not even a, it's not even a, a you know, 70% and above or something. No, this is, this is pass or fail. This is either 100% or fail. It's not graded on a curve. It's not a moment where you can have somebody else up there with you and say, I brought them because they were worse than I was. And so if you got to send some, you probably should send that one, but I'm better than them. It's not, it's not graded on a curve. It's a perfect holy God who now is going to judge and test what went on in your life. How can any of us ever be prepared for that final exam? And I read one author who had a dream and he wrote down what happened in his dream and it, it greatly, it does a great job of explaining, I think, the only way that we could ever be ready for the final exam. This is what this author wrote. He said, in that place between wakefulness and dreams, I found myself in the room. He said, there were no distinguishing features except for one wall covered with cabinets. They were like the ones you see in law firms that list clients in alphabetical order, but, but these files, which were seemingly endless in every direction, had a very different headings on them. As I drew near the wall of the files, I, the first to catch my attention was one that read, people I have liked. I opened it and I began flipping through it and I quickly shut it, shocked to realize that I recognized the names that were written on each one. And then without being told, I knew exactly where I was. This lifeless, lifeless room with its small uh, files was a crude catalog system for my life. 
Here was written the actions of every moment, big and small, in a detail that my memory could never match. A sense of wonder and curiosity, coupled with horror, stirred within me as I began to randomly open files exploring their content. Some, some brought joy and sweet memories. Others, a sense of shame and regret so intense that I would look over my shoulder to see if anyone was watching. A file named Friends was next to one marked Friends that I have betrayed. The titles ranged from the mundane to the outright weird. Books I have read, lies I have told, comfort I have given, jokes I have laughed at. Some are almost hilarious in their exactness. Things I've yelled at my brothers. Others I couldn't laugh at, like things I have done in my anger. Things I've muttered under my breath to my parents. I never cease to be surprised by the contents. Often there were many more files than I expected, sometimes fewer than I'd hoped. I was overwhelmed by the sheer volume of life that I had lived. Could it be possible that I had the time in my short life to write each of these thousands or millions of files? But each file confirmed this truth. Each was written in my own handwriting. Each signed with my own signature. When I came to a file marked lustful thoughts, I felt a, a, a chill run through my body. I only opened the file an inch, not willing to test its size, but eventually laid it out before me. I shuddered at its detailed content. I felt sick that such a moment had been recorded. An almost animal rage broke out in me one thought dominated my mind. No one must ever see these cabinets. No one must ever see this room. I have to destroy them in an insane frenzy. I yanked the file out. Its size didn't matter anymore. I had to empty it and burn everything. But as I looked at it, it began throwing them on the floor. It was like they kept reappearing back in the file. I became desperate and pulled out a file only to find it as strong as steel when I tried to tear it. Defeated and utterly helpless, I returned the file to its slot. And then the tears came. I began to weep, sobs so deep that the hurt started in my stomach and shook through me. I fell on my knees and I cried. I cried out of shame from the overwhelming sense of shame that I felt. The rows of files, shelves swirled in my tear-filled eyes. No one must ever, ever know of this room. I must lock it up and hide the key. But then as I pushed away the tears, I saw him. No, no, please not him, not here. Oh, anyone but Jesus. I watched helplessly as he began to open the files and read them. I couldn't bear to watch his response. And in the moments I could bring myself to look at his face, I saw a sorrow deeper than my own. He seemed to intuitively go to the worst ones. Why did he have to read every single one? Finally, he turned and looked at me from across the room. He looked at me with such pity in his eyes, but it was not a pity that angered me. I dropped my head and I covered my face with my hands and began to cry again. And he walked over and he put his arm around me. 
He could have said so many things, but he didn't say a word. He just cried with me. And then he got up and he walked back to the files. Starting at one end of the room, he took each file out one by one and began to sign his name over mine on each and every card. No, I shouted, rushing to him. All I could find to say was no, no. And I, I pulled the card from him. His name, his name should not be on these cards, but there it was, written in red, so rich, so dark, so alive. The name of Jesus covered mine. It was written with his blood. He gently took the card back and he smiled, a sad smile, and he began to sign the cards. I don't think I'll ever understand how he did it so quickly. But the next instant, it seemed I heard him close the last file and walk back to my side. And he placed his hand on my shoulder and he said, it is finished. It is finished. Would you do me a favor today? Would you bow your heads if you would? Just, just kind of bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. The only reason why I would have us do that is because this is a good moment to test ourselves. That very first part of that letter that I read where Paul said, test yourself. Don't fail this test. So we just close our eyes just to kind of look within. How in the world could we ever be ready for a final exam that we would stand before God and give an account for all of the failure, all of the temptations that we have failed, all the trials that we, how are we gonna stand before God? This is how, it's by the blood of Jesus Christ. See, God knew that our decisions, our sin was going to alienate us from God. God is perfect. He is holy. And there's no way that we were going to be reconciled to him. And God sent his son as a perfect lamb. And what happened on that cross, many of you know of, 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 of the cross and the crucifixion, but maybe some don't understand what was going on or why that happened. It happened because he was taking the punishment. He was taking the judgment for my failed tests. He was taking the punishment of my sin. That's the only way that any of us can be confident and say, I'm ready to stand before God. I'm not ready because I've been perfect. I'm ready because I've been made perfect by Jesus. And I know that there are many under the sound of my voice. I know that you need that to happen in your life. The Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and everything is made new. That's how you can stand. That's how you can pass this final exam. It's unavoidable. We'll all stand before God. But will you stand before God ready? How, how do you apply this gift of salvation, this mercy? How do you apply this to your life? You do it by believing believing on Jesus, that he is who he said he was and that he came and he lived a perfect life and died a death for you by making him not only just your savior, but making him your Lord. Remember what Paul said? We make it our goal to please him. 
So when I make this decision, it changes my desires. It changes not my will anymore. No, it's about God's will in my life. This is how you get ready for the final exam. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.